Welcome to the Finding Success Show, where we interview successful people so you can learn what it takes to find your own success in business and in life. Coming to you live from the Jersey Shore with your host, Justin Bosak, Abram Covella, and Steve Libman. I'm your host, Justin Bozak. I'm on the show today. We had the opportunity to have uh, two amazing guests. Uh, they just flew in. Uh, they're going to be here for the weekend. Uh, first up, we got my man Justin Gaethje, a uh, UFC top contender, currently ranked number four in the lightweight division. And uh, my co-host for the day, we got the infamous Mike Barker from Hero Sports, representing from Texas. That's right. Tejas. Yeah, baby. So welcome, fellas. Uh, we're going to start with Justin today. Uh, we all know uh, Justin's you know, the most awesome name out there, so we got Justin Squares. <laughs> You're my first guest named Justin on the show, so uh, welcome. Um, just wanted to get into maybe uh, you know, your path and journey uh, as a fighter. Where did it start? Maybe what, what yeah. are some of the things you learned along the way? I mean, wh- whatever backstory you want to run into. I mean, kind of the short story, I, I have a twin brother. Um, you know, came Marcus. home, I think we were wrestling each other, uh, you know, Right from the beginning, my dad uh, was always there, uh, always, always our quarterback. Always, he's always, always outside with us. Always, you know, I, I was never inside. I remember we had about ten kids our age in our in our neighborhood, and we were always outside playing baseball, playing football, playing cops and robbers, huh. um, anything. Um, manhunt. Yep, manhunt. We tore uh, tore the fences down for playing football, knocking each other into the to the fences. So, um, just starting. Having that, so growing up in a small town, having uh, you know, living in a, a neighborhood with that many kids my age, having a twin brother, um, I think really um, inspired my competition, the competition side in me. Um, it was started from day one, and you know, it's gone. My parents put me in wrestling at four years old with my twin brother, and then um, we started traveling at like six years old to Vegas, to Reno, uh, to Denver, and going to all these all these tournaments. And so I really attribute a lot of my success in fighting um, into my mental, you know, my mental game is I think different than a lot of people. I think a lot of people go in there and they're kind of scared or, you know, I think what ultimately they're scared of is the things that they can't control um, because there's so many things that, that are going, going to happen there that you have no control over. Um, and for me, I just have learned from being a kid, from competing, uh, from losing to people I should never lost to, from beating people I should never beat. Uh, from walking on to a mat in a one-on-one comp- you know, competition, one-on-one setting since I was four years old has really helped me to um, become content with the whole process of competing, of going out there and possibly losing, possibly getting, you know, the, people call it embarrassed. Um, but I just call it part of the game. Right. Yeah, um, it's, it's lessons learned. Yeah, so I really just try to make things as simple as possible. You know, there's five, only about five things I can't control. Um, you know, about four things leading up and then my effort in the fight. So, um, you know, I might not win or lose, but, you know, I, I'm going to shine every time. Right. So let's talk about it. I mean, so your dad put you guys in wrestling at four. Did he have wrestling background back in the day? or He wrestled, uh, I think, his last three years of high school. Okay. But it was a, it was a much different time. Um, mm. So where I'm from is, like, top five in the world, biggest open pit copper mine in the world. Right. Um, that company, we have a company, uh, is mine in Marancia, Arizona, and then down in Chile, and they're the second most producers of copper in the world. So the operation that's going on, you know, where I'm from is like so big. It's, 
you it's know, like runs the whole town, yeah, right? Everybody in the town kind of works there. Just, even when you see it with your own eyes, you almost can't like put it into perspective because mm-hmm. it's just so large, the scale of what what is actually going on there. So, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Well, obviously, you didn't want to work in a mine. I know you did for a little bit, right? Yeah, I did. I worked in there for a summer. Uh, but oh yeah, that's what I say. So my dad, you know, it was such a like, you know, they were on strike when he was graduating the. The military came in because, you know, copper can't stop because they're the second biggest producer of copper in the world. You know, they oh, wow. can't stop. So the military came in. They were on strike. He was a, My grandpa was on strike. His dad was on strike. He was a scab crossing the line. So just the, just the crazy times that he was, the, the stories that I get to hear of those times. They, they were not like I the stories I lived or the times I lived through. Right. Um, being able to go and be on the swim team when I was six and, you know, do all the sports, soccer. Um, it's something that he didn't necessarily do because, you know, they were working. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, how do you think that affected you, I guess, growing up? Because, uh, you know, obviously— I mean, uh, it's, it had a very positive effect on me because what that showed— you know, what that showed me is my dad is, uh, you know, he's a great example. My mom and my dad. My mom's worked in the in the post office for, I think, 34 years now. My dad just retired after 35 years, seven months. And uh, just the hard work and mm-hmm. dedication that they they put into into that, you know, a lot of people think having a job or they take it for granted, um, and they really put everything in and they sacrifice. They put themselves in massive debt just to take us places. Um, so seeing uh, the sacrifice that they made growing up um, has again given me a good reason to to push. That's awesome. I mean, I think they see it paid off, and, and yeah, I, see, and, and I see them at the fights, and you can see and how excited they are. There's when, a lot of things when you're fighting. I, mean, I can only imagine how proud my dad was to walk around the mine after a fight, and then have everybody talking to him about the fight, stuff like that. You know, it's a it's a very different world, for sure. Yeah, and especially coming from where you came from, small town. Yes, to so be, I mean, when uh, I go like, yeah, I can go out. I go out and eat dinner all the time. No one, I get recognized sometimes, but you know, I look a lot different on TV than I do in real life. I think a lot bigger on TV. Yeah, I think everybody um, but looks when bigger. I go home, yeah, it's like if I go to Walmart, I'm taking a lot, I'm taking a lot of pictures. And, gotcha. Yeah, it's like I'm a real superstar at home, so it's cool. I, I really enjoy it. So what brought Especially you out for to the, for the kids? Right, right. So what brought you out to Colorado? Uh, they were uh, my my only Division One offer to wrestle in college, and so yeah, it was. Uh, thank God, you know, I was going to go to ASU on a small scholarship. And I, I came to Colorado on a smaller scholarship, but, you know, I really, when I came on my recruiting trip, I really thought that, uh, and I felt at home. It was weird. You know, I didn't know one person here, um, and I decided I had a girlfriend for like five years. I was going to leave her <laughs> to come up here. It was, a, you know, there was a lot of big choices that I made then, and I'm so glad I made that choice back then. Right. So you think that one move kind of was the shift to, yeah, to bring into where yeah, you are I today? Mean, the, I mean, ultimately that led me to Trevor Whitman. Uh, ben Charrington, you know the coaches that I have now that are still helping me get through this process. They're, uh, you know, I met them here, you know, and if I would have stayed in Arizona, I don't think I would have come across. I definitely would have come across them. And um, you know, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty, but I don't believe I would have ever come across someone as fitting for me as I did. Right. What are some of the lessons I guess you you learned maybe from going through that through college to? You know, maybe trying to figure out, like, you know, what do I want to do when I when I get done with college? Was there anything? It was a really weird. It was all weird, you know, um, from a first person perspective. It's also it was so. I never thought about fighting. I never 
Which I never, I kind of new still. Never, well, I'd never been in a street fight. Like, I'm talking about fighting. I'd never oh, been okay. in a street fight. You know, I had a couple big brawls in college, but never a one-on-one, like, scenario where I was like, okay, I'm going to fight you, you know, and then, like, fight somebody. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think I could fight because I had, not that I didn't think, I had no idea if I could or not. So, uh, yeah, I was just like, I want to try it when I was in college and then kind of, you know, I won seven fights and I graduated. I got a human services degree and I was like, I'm going to try to turn professional. And then that was, you know, I blinked my eyes a couple of times and now I'm sitting here with you. So yeah, it just went by so fast. I never, never planned on being here. It was never a, a dream as a child. Um, but I was always working towards this. That's the, that also helps me when I step into the cages I know that I, you know, I did, I did my best to, to, to prepare myself for the for the opportunity that's in front of me. You know, my whole life, even though I wasn't planning for this specifically, like I was mm-hmm. planning for this, or I was working towards this. So that that helps me mentally. A lot of it's um, when you get in there, it's um, the mental. You know, it's it's such a swing. How how it can swing so fast, momentum. Is a, is a thing in a fight, especially it's like a big wave and it's going to go one way. It's going to crash on somebody. So, right. yeah, it's really a, it's a different game. Now, was there like a, a risk that you thought maybe you took to kind of jump into this game? You know, what was that feeling like when, when you made that, you know, decision that I'm going to go after it and I'm going to yeah. try to be different? So it was all kind of, it all kind of just happened. I never, I've never sat back and thought about, I guess, what I'm doing or what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a human it. services degree, and I was like, I want to, you know, I'm going to try to start these pro fights, and then I was, you know, making ticket sales. You're making like, Selling you know, two thousand a fight, and then three thousand, and five thousand. And I fought for World Series. I made ten thousand, you know, and then twelve, and then sixteen, and then twenty, and then thirty, and then forty. And I was like, you know, each fight, mm-hmm. and I just kept winning. So I was like, well. You know, I'm just made a hundred thousand dollars this year, and you know, if I'm going to go into the line of work of human services, it's going to take me, you know, three years to make that. And so I was like, I'm just going to ride this out, you know, right, while right. I can. And then I was fighting Eddie Alvarez on pay per view, and yeah, coaching Ultimate Fighter. So it's really, it's really just been. I, I mean, I let it come as it comes. You know, I, I've never thought about the process. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was twenty, I, I thought about where I'd be when I was thirty. And uh, if I if I would be successful in fighting, because I had started fighting then, um, but yeah, I think that's the tricky thing with fighting is that there's no like necessarily like roadmap when you're in it because when you're doing the local fights and selling your own tickets and selling t-shirts just to kind of make ends meet, and then you're doing yeah. all the training and stuff like that. I mean, you know, that, that's not much money to make a make a living. Like you're sacrificing, um, you know. You're not going out to the club probably, and you're not, you know, driving the yeah. the nicest car while you know you're maybe paying, some other. You're paying to compete, and it's like, where's the, where's the return? Right. You know, but it's long term. That's the thing. Is yeah, it's not I, a short term um, success. To be honest with you, I knew I had it from day one. My coaches knew. You know, Trevor mm-hmm. Whitman, best. In the, he was 2018 Coach of the Year. He knew I had it. You know, he was working me out for free for four years. He, I would drive down from Greeley. It'd be an hour drive, and I'd work out with him, and I'd drive back. And, you know, that was, he knew I had no money. I was giving him no money. And, uh, you know, luckily now I'm paying him like 80, 85,000 a year. So for the last three years. So I'm glad I can make that up to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because obviously he took a chance. You know, he spent the time and 
Yeah, and that's their job. In you. That's obviously what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to, you know, you put your money on your bet, you know, you're, the one you pick anyways. Right. So yeah, he saw, I think he saw something. Um, I think wrestlers are coachable. You know, I've been coached. I don't even know how to, I, you couldn't, if you asked me to teach you something, I couldn't teach you something because I've never gone into that mind space. I've, I've always gone to learn. Um, luckily for me, my life's been pretty much, like I'm here and I was always, luckily at every practice I went to, I worked my hardest, but my life has pretty much been scheduled for me. Uh, from four years old, I had a practice to go to. My parents took me and they dropped me off and then I did the practice and I came home and I went to the next practice. And so really it's just been um, scheduled. You know, this is kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't given to me. I worked through it, but it was the choice of me and my family. My family really mm-hmm. made the choice, um, a lot of choices to put me where I'm at right now. Were there any times, I guess, during that process between, you know, wrestling as a young kid to college where you may, you may have wanted to quit or No, or, that or was the good or? thing. I, I loved it the whole time from four years old to 22. Well, until 21 and probably a half, 21 and a half years into it. Last half year, was I was done. Gotcha. When, it was, when I lost my last match at Nationals, I was very thankful that it was over because uh, I cut down to 149 my senior year after All-American at 57. Uh, you know, I thought I'd be bigger, faster, stronger, but, you know, those are all, there's so many life, there's so many lessons I learned in wrestling that have helped me. Uh, when I was 16, my mom went to a wrestling tournament. There was a hundred, we looked at the bracket, there was 109 kids in my one bracket. Wow. And I looked at it, I was like, mom, if I win this, I get a tattoo. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was like, boom, like, all right, I'm getting this soon. So I went there and I pinned everybody until the finals and I won like seven to three. And it was a tournament I had never won before. Wow. Uh, biggest tournament I ever, you know, biggest bracket I ever been in. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So it was like a big lesson for me is, you know, your mental, your attitude can can really determine, mm-hmm. you know, your actions. So what kind of tattoos you got? I got a cross on my arm. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first one. Very cool. So I think that's one thing on this show. I mean, you know, we talk to all different people from all different walks of life, you know, entrepreneurs, people that do charities and stuff like that. And the consistent thing is that, you know, people all have failures and people, you know, we say get kicked in the teeth. I mean, not, you know, usually not literally. Yeah. Sometimes you make kicked in the teeth literally. (laughs) But uh, it's just the the fortitude to kind of get back up and then keep pressing forward. And uh, like I was saying to you guys before, I I, I see uh, a lot of the success for, for business people I can kind of see that in the ring with just how you move, you're always moving forward. You're always pressing the action. Yeah. Doesn't matter what happens, you know, win, lose, you're always going to pull something out of it. And it seems like it is, uh, you know, an awesome passion, which is why, yeah. you know, you can see some fighters that are very talented, but they may not have the passion to do it. They're just doing it for a paycheck. But I think what comes to the TV when I watch you fight yeah. is that you're super passionate about it. You love it. You love getting after and, it. And I'm giving you, I think, the easiest thing for a human to recognize is effort, mm-hmm. and I just give max effort. Absolutely. So if you if you don't appreciate that, then you know then, which is fine. But you're 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 an outcast mm-hmm. in what you're watching, and you're you not watching you're not part there. of the demographic. Yeah, you're not part of the demographic <laughs> that I'm searching for right, right. or chasing. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, you should be watching golf or something. <laughs> hey, I yeah. love golf. So well, and the crazy <laughs> part the crazy part is, is I mean I've seen him fight live in the arena, I don't know six seven times now. Uh, even from World Series of Fighting to UFC, and it's just a different energy. Like when he's in there, that's a buzz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Know. You know, you're and then the like show. in between in between rounds, like he's turning around to the fans, like 
pumping them up. Yeah. Like, let's go. Like, you know, like it's just, it's uh, it's it's a, an adrenaline like you don't normally get as a spectator uh, watching someone else, you know, perform a sport. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of like, uh, I feel like I really thrive under pressure. Like, some people try to shy away from it, and like mm-hmm. that's my. Like, I want the last, like, if we're playing pool, I want I want the shot at the eight ball, you know, for the team, you know, like, just stupid things like that. But uh, I think that really big, I'm, I call, I say I'm a show-off, you know, when I'm competing. Like, if I, if you challenge me to something, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, you know, in a spectacular fashion, as I, you know, have done my whole life. See, if you snowboarding, I, I fall better. I fall spectacularly. <laughs> fall gracefully. Yeah. <laughs> I fall. Do you see me fall? I don't right. fall. I just hit, I the, I hit the ground and I bounce back up. I just use the, use the ground to bounce up. I'm the best faller on the snowboard. I am the best faller on the mountain. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah. So um, how much do you think the, the success actually in, like, the UFC, obviously the highest level of fighting right now, is is mental. Because you've been in there with a lot of guys, and I'm sure you've yeah, seen guys break at a certain point that were super athletic and I don't know, highly like, skilled. The reason we love this so much is because all that matters, but at the same time, none of that matters. Like it's just one shot mm-hmm. in there. So, uh, what was it, what was your question? <laughs> just, I know what it was. Just, the, just, men- yeah, just the, the mental aspect of it is is what do you think is the most important thing to be like a champion yeah. in the UFC? Is it is it more mental so it's, overall? It's going to be a confidence, but it can't be false confidence. It has right. to be a, a foundation of confidence. Like it has to be built off something, mm-hmm. whether it be experience, hard work. You know, those are both. That has to be off both of those. You know, and then genetics. Genetics play a yeah. big part. In it. <laughs> Not a little bit, a, a big. You know, I had the they test our bones at the UFC, and they they told me they could not confirm or deny that I had the densest bones they've tested. So, like, when, so if you think Makes about sense. that, like, when it comes to fighting, like like, that's something super crucial, right? You know, because so when I go in there, my job, my goal is to make my bones touch your bones, because I'm pretty sure my bones are denser than yours. And when bones touch each other, like, there's something that happens there. It's like two metal bats. You know, one of them's gonna give, one of them's gonna dent mm-hmm. or something. You know, something's gonna give there. So yeah, my bones are dense. So uh, I use well, that, and that's a little bit of confidence yeah. that I go in there with. I can confirm that he has very dense legs. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. He caught a leg kick oh, or two. Oh yeah, yeah, I caught one. <laughs> were you holding pads? No, no, he chirps off a lot. No, no, man, we were we were sparring out in uh, in Colorado one time, and uh, you know we were playfully sparring fifty percent or so. And, uh, he kicked me hard, so I was like, "Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring it back." I, you know, I, I, he's like, "Kick me, kick me," and I, you know, so I kicked him a little harder than fifty percent. And he goes, "Wait, you actually kicked me!" <laughs> I'm like, right, and then he let me have it, man. And my whole leg went numb. Yeah, so, it was that yeah. bruise? Oh, it was good. Well, so uh, me and another veteran buddy of mine, uh, who's bigger than him, yeah. Uh, we're supposed to go all three days and he went one day and he didn't go back. And, uh, so I went all three days. They were like, man, we're going to make sure he doesn't come back. And I was like, I'm, I'm a dummy, man. I'll keep showing up. So, he came back. uh, but yeah, uh, when I went home after three days of getting kicked in the leg, I had a nice, nice, nice bruise. Yeah. Takes those, a while I think to catch those, up with I think those sometimes. medic guys are tougher than infantry guys. <laughs> That's right, man. We, uh, we're, we're a different breed, man. Different breed. Running right into the chaos. For sure. Literally. That's right. Very cool. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we are uh, here with Justin Gaethje and uh, Mike Barker from uh, Hero Sports. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Finding Success Show. The Jersey Shore's best oldies, Betrayal. 
Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations. Will you help? They greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies like small bottles of shampoo, lotion, mints, and more. Please visit Always Supporting Our Military on Facebook, email pasrmilitary at yahoo.com or call 908-278-9561. That's 908-278-9561. Every little bit We answer the phone 24-7. 365 days a year. On a busy night, we answer hundreds of calls. This war on drugs needs our intervention. Since 2014, Addiction Hope and Helpline has helped people struggling with drugs and alcohol. When the phone rings, we help people when they need it the most. When we get a caller into treatment, it feels good. It's a blessing. If you're struggling, drinking, using, and need to get clean, don't suffer alone in silence. Call Addiction Hope and Helpline. Our people understand, and many are also in recovery. Call for support and strength. You can call for someone who can't or isn't willing. It's an act of love. Together we can help you beat this thing and erase addiction from your vocabulary once and for all. Call 800-490-1630, You're listening to the Finding Success Show. We're here with UFC fighter, lightweight, future champion Justin Gaethje, yes, and Mike Barker from Hero Sports. So uh, we just covered kind of like the backstory of Justin Gaethje and how he got to where he is today. We're going to break into a little bit about where we're at now, you know, his uh, entry into the uh, the UFC and uh, how he met Mr. Barker. Cool. So uh, so let's talk about how we met Mr. Barker. <laughs> Hero yeah, was, uh, Sports flying into town doing a softball game. Yeah, it happened to five years ago. I'm not, I can't remember who Frankie Edgar was training for, but uh, he brought me out here to, to be one of his training partners to replicate, you know, the guy he was training or fighting. Mm-hmm. And it just happened that uh, the Hero Sports guys right here doing a softball tournament. Um, I think they're the one they're going to do again yeah, next yeah. year, June. What June, is it? June, 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 June of this year. Yeah, yeah. they're doing it again in June. Um, so, yeah, they brought me out here, and I, Frankie's like, hey, we're going down to the softball tournament. You want to come? And it came, and they had all, met all these guys, and I've been hanging out with them since. That's awesome. So how was it to be in that, that camp and with those guys? I know they, you know, it's yeah, told, it was, I mean, that, that they roll a little bit differently as far as camps go. Yeah, and I mean, train uh, and, if you live in Tom's River, you're driving a lot to mm-hmm. get to places, I'll yeah, tell you that. all over the place. <laughs> That's one thing yeah. I remember is we drove all day, every day. Driving out to Ricardo's, just to get right? To, yeah, we went to Ricardo's, we went to a boxing gym in, in somewhere in New Jersey. Did you go to Mark's house or? Went to Mark's house. Went to Mark's Pizza Place. <laughs> Pino's. Pino's. Where Frankie right. lived. So we were all over the place. It was like right. everywhere, everywhere we went was like a 40-minute drive. Yeah. It was intense. But it was um, being around them. I mean, it was awesome. You know, at that time, I had never, you know, I hadn't fought the highest level, obviously. I was still, I think, I don't even know if I had the belt in World Series of Fighting yet. Maybe I had just, just obtained that. But yeah, it was growing up, you know, in high school and college, I was a you know, always a big fan of MMA and UFC, and Frankie Edgar's been around. He was around when I was in college, 
uh, probably at the beginning of my college career, he was already right. fighting. So I got to watch him, you know, growing up and just being a fan of the sport. And then, yeah, it's all been a really crazy culmination of events. You know, watching all these guys on TV, Edson Barboza, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, watching them all growing up and then now fighting them. Um, you know, I didn't think, uh, I don't know, I guess if I would have thought about it, I would have thought my st- thought of, of being here, but I just, I don't approach life like that necessarily. So, yeah, but it's, so it's really crazy to look back and mm-hmm. see how things transpired. Seeing how everything kind of connects. Yeah. I think it's just kind of being out there and just doing your thing and just letting your actions kind of. Yeah. Well, just being out there, Mark Henry's Frankie's coach. And then, you know, three and a half, four years later, I was fighting Mark Henry, you know, twice. No, I didn't fight him twice. Edson had just gone to a different camp, but I fought him when I fought Eddie. Oh, yeah. Um, So. Right, right. I guess. Yeah, it's just a crazy uh, culmination of events. Right. Yeah, I think the, cool. the the cool part was is even when Justin came to that game, you know, not knowing really what he was going to, you know, he didn't play in the game, and, but instead of, you know, being a celebrity and staying on the celebrity side, mm-hmm. you know, he took the time to come over to the veteran. Yeah, like, I'm about your guys' team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me know. a bat, baby. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, that was the thing, you know, <laughs> like he wanted to meet the guys and learn their stories and, and get to know them. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a fighter and I'm out here to support, but right, it was right. like, Hey, I want to really, you know, get to know you guys, and I think that's what really resonated and kind of really started to form the the friendship. Is, you know, is that once once we got back, people were like, "Man, like that guy like really cared," you mm-hmm. know, like so. I mean, you know, we we exchanged numbers and you know kept in contact and was just like, "Hey, man, if there's ever an opportunity to you know come watch you fight, you know, I'll bring a group of vets," and you know, I'm sure people probably hear that a lot, you right, know, right. all the time, and you know, first time, you know, he's fighting again and. We took a group, and then uh, I think we've pretty much been to every fight since. Yeah, I get you, you know? five tickets every fight. They drove yeah. me for family dinner. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, even uh, the Vancouver fight uh, against Cowboy, I couldn't make it, but I sent a group of five guys from, from yeah. that area, from, from Fort uh, Lewis McCord up in Seattle, and, you know, uh, we still had a group there supporting, you know, and I think that's, you know, and then whenever we can host them down in Texas for hunting and, I mean, do stuff like this, you know, and it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of become uh, more than just him supporting us, you know. It's it's right. it's a friendship now. So I think it's the other side of the coin. So it's like the awareness of realizing what's happening in the moment. Like, all right, yeah, all my guys and stuff, they're playing on the same team or whatever, but I'm going to take some time and, and actually, you know, it's like a moment of kindness. You don't really think about it. You well, just for me, it was, I mean, you like to think of that, but, you're I was I was a, a weird I, well I mean I was <laughs> I was just yeah I didn't I didn't I knew uh, them as much as I knew the team that Frankie was right. on I didn't know any like I had, I think I had been here for two days right right one or two days when that happened okay. might have been the second day so I didn't know any of them but uh, for me like they're from Texas they're from the country like okay like I just get along better with them people <laughs> <laughs> it's a different different yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. The city folk and country folk are very different folk yeah. I'll tell you that yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah I just you know I have a bunch of family in the military and yeah right when I walked over there you know I knew they were gonna be down to earth and they were and that's uh, I don't think you know it might take away from something like um, building stardom or something but I don't think I'll ever be that person right you know I'll always just be you. Yeah, just do that. The yeah, whatever. Yeah. Last well, night I was pushing like ten ten thirty at night. It was snowing bad, and two ladies were stuck on this hill and they were never gonna make it home. So I freaking pushed that car for like 
half a mile. That sucked. Yeah. But yeah, like, they're like, yeah. That's the things that people don't see. Yeah, though. and then I followed them, you know, I followed them until they got home. But it's like, I don't think you deserve credit for that. It's just. Yeah, just being a good dude. Yeah, I mean, those really, uh, they make me happy. You know, I sleep really well at night because of small things like that. Right, right. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's the one thing on the show we talk about with a lot of the guests is it's really, it doesn't come down to money as far as like happiness, obviously. No. A lot of people, you know, they try money to make goes, those connections. Money will go. yeah. yeah. But it's how can you be a good dude? You know, how sure. can you affect people? How can you bring people up? You know, so obviously you had some opportunities where a coach yep. grabbed you, trained you, invested his time into you. Yeah. You know, so then it's like, how can I return that to, to some other people? Yeah, and and I try. I try. I do a lot. There's a, I, I do a lot. Of the, my best friend's a coach of a high school team. I go and I go to their practices. I go and go to their duels and, uh, you know, I go to their tournaments, stuff like that. Um, ultimately, I have a human services degree and I wanted to give back. My whole life has been my goal. I've never, my goal was never to fight. Um, and it's kind of an oxymoron that I'm getting to be able to reach people through violence in a way <laughs> to <Yeah>. help them. <laughs> but it's not that, you know, I, this is competition. This is not a fight to me. It's a competition, even though, uh, it's, it's a competition with greater risks than any other competition. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, have you had bad blood with any of the fighters? I mean, I haven't. Not necessarily. I mean, people have said things about, like, Michael Johnson says some things about me. Oh, you must him up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, James Vick says some things about me. But it's never been personal. Like, never, because if, if it becomes personal, then, again, that's something that I can't control. Mm -hmm. And then I'm allowing them to control my thought thought process, my emotions. Like, that's, that's my number one rule is never let another person control my thoughts or emotions. So uh, it starts, yeah, that, so that, that helps a lot with this. But yeah, that's one thing. I can, no matter what in life, I would never let someone control like my actions. Your head, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see if I'm going to do something, it it's going to do something because I choose to. Not because someone pushed me there or, or, you know, told me to. Right. Yeah. Well, and just, you know, another thing outside of just supporting us, like, uh, I don't know, three, three months ago, four months ago, uh, you know, Justin did a charitable gift where he paid off school lunches for uh, kids at the high school or the oh, junior high. Awesome. Uh, you know, so, I mean, little things like that. And, you know, just going back to that is, is you know, talking about his parents, man, like his parents have almost become family too. You know, I mean, they, you know, they see the veterans and myself at the fights and, you know, it's hugs and hanging out and all that yeah, leading got, up to the fight. And I was lucky. I mean, yeah. Lucky to have great parents. Um, For sure. That's also what pushed me to human services because I know how lucky I am. I know how lucky. I know that most are not as lucky as I am to have two supportive, loving, two people that are your parents that tell you they love you every day mm -hmm. and support you no matter what, never kick you out, you know, won't let you leave. Right, right. Things yeah. like that. Well, and then um, and even when he comes to Texas now, like he stays at my house, you know, he's wrestling with my kids and, you know, my kids are like, Mr. Justin, you know, like, you know, it's just uh, even when he's not there and they're like wrestling and uh, on the ground and one of them's playing Mr. Corey and the other one's Mr. Justin and they're, you know, they're fighting and, you know, then, you know, they're growing up with it now, you know, and, and learning, you know. Uh, one yeah, of them. sorry about that. They're going to be fighters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what mom says about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, my uh, my middle one could could definitely uh, he could definitely hold his own. So, but. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is that you know they just they've taken to the to the fighters coming in and you know spending time too, and it, it's it's literally become a family. I mean, it's not extended family, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Right, right. 
So you're on a on a hot streak, knocking guys out in the first round like it's nobody's business. Yeah, those are nice. Obviously, we uh, we're waiting for your for your next match. Yeah, you know, there, me there's too. A couple of fights coming up that could dictate kind of what happens, but I think the year 2020 it's going to be big for you because yeah. you should get a big fight here. And it yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of politics, but uh, you know it's good to be in the political cons- discussion. Good to be in the running, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm in the running. That's for sure. I'm, you know, I had three big knockouts, but just before that, I had two losses. So I think, um, you know, I'm doing a good job at working my way back. I believe that there should be um, order, you know, to how things work mm-hmm. in this sport. I think if you win, you fight someone above you. If you lose, you fight someone below you if you're ranked. Uh, so, yeah, three big wins. I really am looking for, you know, I want to fight Khabib. And so I want to find the surest way to that fight. Um, in my mind, you know, they're trying to pass, trying to pass Connor up through me. Um, so I'm gonna do everything I can to not let that happen. I want to fight him, but you know he gets to pick who he fights. He obviously does not want to fight me. So I told them, uh, I told him a couple of days ago to set up Poirier uh, for whatever they want. That's smart. Because uh, for me, good. if I beat him, then they have no argument to put that man in front of me. Right. Especially if he won't fight me. Um, That's probably better. To and fight. then I'll have I will have enough ammo to where if I need to like. You know, punch Dana in the nose, <laughs> then I'll be totally in the right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's probably a good idea to take on Dustin before possibly even Connor does. I mean, I don't That's see what I mean, that, and that fight So that too, but, that too. Yeah. There's a couple that like, so for, I have to, so that, so I want to fight Connor because that's the, if there's any order to what we're doing, you know, me and him fight each other to see who fights for the title next. Right. You know, Khabib stated multiple times that he won't fight him. Um, I'm sure it'd be much more of a chance of him getting that fight, uh, you know, because, again, Khabib, you know. That's big money. All, all, I don't know him personally, but I've heard him talk many times, and he seems, uh, you know, he talks about principal, and I don't see him giving up, giving in, unless they give him, like, $100 million. Well, that's would, what his dad said. You know, yeah. I would call million. him, like, dude, just take the fight. <laughs> you know, but I don't be think foolish. they're paying him on that Don't one be fight. foolish. No, they're not. They're, who knows? They multi-fight. But no one's paying him $100 million. No one, nah. No. $100 million is a lot of money. Yeah, that's life-changing money. <laughs> yeah, $100 million is a life-changing money. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so, and because if I fight Poirier, that means Connor can't. If Connor fights Poirier and beats him, then I have absolutely no argument, you know? Right. I almost have to say you. you deserve it now. Right. Because I believe that's how it works, you know? I'm not, even if it doesn't benefit me, I'm not going to go against the way I believe the order should work. Um. So, yeah, I need to take that fight. Uh, if I beat when I beat him, that gives me back my Eddie Alvarez f- loss and that loss, and so uh, that all goes away. And now, now I have much stronger uh, hand of cards to play. Mm-hmm. So obviously, word's been put out there. Maybe, maybe you fight him at one seventy. Is that who's that? Connor. Connor. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna pass this opportunity up for right. Uh, we're fight. We want to fight for a 155 pound title. Right, right. Um, you know, the around. only way that would work is because it's Conor McGregor. What are you walking around at now? Oh, shit, I don't know. 180. Yeah, I'm not a 170 pounder. Right. Um, but he's trying to. You know, he's trying to get every advantage that he can. You know, I think he needed to fight Donald. It's not that. Uh, you know, I'm a bigger risk. You'd say, and all of us, you, me, Dana, all the fans, all the fighters, needed him to win that fight. Right. Because yeah, he is a superstar, and we need him in the mix because. He does great things for the sport. You know, it brings brings a lot of attention. Um, so you know, I'm never going to hate on that. 
needed a warm up. I mean, they were talking about him fighting Frankie, even, and Frankie's yeah, he's, going he's down to one thirty five. I mean, <laughs> I I was obviously biased. Um, my only my only argument was you're talking about title contender, title t- fighting for titles, and then you're fighting, you know, right? Another Cowboy coming up two losses. Uh, who I just beat, and I'm right here, ready to go. So that was my line. Like, dude, I'm right here. What are you like? What? Why are you fighting him if I'm right here? I'm ready to go. And now, I'm, you know, the last three guys I've knocked out, they've ended up fighting before me again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it just sucks. That part sucks. Right, right. So who are the fighters you grow up on? Is there any 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 fighters that you look to and you're just, you uh, know, or you meet? Yeah, I mean, coming, you, you know, like, so I'm, my main, like, 2002 to 2007 was my, you know, growing years, learning to, be, you know, become a fan of this sport. Uh, and Matt Hughes, Chuck mm-hmm. Liddell. Uh, Tito Ortiz, um, you know, at that time I was a wrestler, so I was more the wrestling yeah, guys, yeah, biased towards the wrestlers, per se. Now I've become the opposite, <laughs> uh, but I think those are the two. I think Chuck and Matt were two big influences in my fighting career. Yeah, I see Chuck a lot. I in remember you. Uh, <laughs> when I was probably sixteen. Um, Matt Hughes had just fought and we were sitting with my uncle and he was talking about how big of a badass he was I was like I guarantee I'd kick his ass and he was like there's no way like blah 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 and so then I knew I ha- I knew I, I there was something in me that I wanted to do it then even though I had never necessarily thought about it but I was like yes I can yes I can and so yeah just again culmination of events it's weird how I went from there to here right so going back to Frankie's camp when you came to spar with him, when you were here working with him, was there something that clicked that said like, you know, I, I should be in the UFC? You know, working uh, with these guys a little bit or? No, I. So my mindset, and my plan is is the same plan I try to give young guys now is don't rush, don't rush to the UFC because, you know, I think it's a mistake. To go into the UFC and start at the the minimum pay scale. Okay. Yeah. Because if you want to make it to the top, you have they're you know they're they're always going to do something to whether they want they don't necessarily want you to lose, but in a business sense they want you to lose because then you don't you know I always look at this as um, tiers or steps or, or levels. Mm-hmm. Every time you win, you move up one tier, and every time you don't, you stay in the same tier, and they're trying to control. You know, they don't let you jump up two tiers, right? Because they want to. You know, they don't want you to get there too fast. Because then, then, be, then you're hitting tiers that aren't tiers. You know, so I thought it was. I always, in my mind, I thought it would be smart to try to get to the highest tier possible before I went to the UFC. Um, and when I was making, you know, two hundred thousand a fight at World Series, I was like, yeah, you wouldn't have been doing that in the UFC. Yeah, you're not doing that. Well, you're not. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into the UFC at ten and ten or eight. At that time, it was probably six and six, eight and eight. No, I wouldn't. I would still. I would probably make it thirty and thirty right now. Right, thirty five and thirty five. You know, because, you know, I wasn't ready for one to to compete at the highest level until I got there. Um, you always think you're ready, but you you know you're not. Um, yeah, I mean, you're so always yeah. learning. So that's always my thing to those guys: is take your time, don't rush. I never had that thought when I was in the World Series. I was just like. Hell yeah. Right. 120 grand to fight this guy? Okay. Nice. I'll do that. 
And then, yeah, once uh, once became a free agent, that ended up helping, you know, so much. Yeah, yeah, the belt. The belt. But it's also the um, the exposure I got fighting on NBC, fighting mm-hmm. on NBC Sports, being a champion, having all those finishes. A lot of things played into why I'm getting paid so much and how come I I was able to jump tiers. Right. Yeah, um, get a fight with... Liz I know guys Johnson, that right. were 14 and 0 mm-hmm. with 14 decisions, and they're still fighting on the local scene because this is not what we're doing here. Right. You know, as much as you think that's what it is, this is not what it is. It is entertainment. And luckily, you know, the way I fight is so entertaining. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. So what? Uh, what's your thing? What, what are you thinking after after fighting? I know it's probably you know you know years and years away, but any oh, any thoughts on what you want to what you want to do next? Um, I mean, I know ultimately, you're about, you know, ultimately, it has a lot to do with my success in the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, my success in the sport translates over to the to the amount of money I can acquire, and the amount of money I can acquire really. Um, was going to determine the steps that I take in the future. Um, right now, I'm a partial founder of an equipment company, Onyx Sports, um, founded by CEO. The CEO and the, the founder is Trevor Whitman, my coach. Um, we make MMA equipment. So, yeah, that's what we've been doing for three years now. Or, uh, yeah, like when you said earlier, business people on their mindset, mm-hmm. it's very similar. Uh, uh, you just you have to you have to believe in yourself. You have yeah. to believe in the process. Um, and you're going to fail and you have to be, you, have, you can't be okay with it, but you have to be, you have to understand that that's part of the process. Absolutely. So that, uh, yeah. Learning it through a different, through a different aspect now has been fun too. Yeah. But you've had that mental side of it and you can see it and you know, Hey, you know, whatever, I'll just go out there, learn it. You know, yeah. if, if you could be a businessman because again, you know, well, in the business means I'm the guy that says, why <laughs> they all talk about something like, all right, but, but why, why that right? way? Like why? Like, so that's, I just, I'm just the bad guy, pretty much. Which I think you need one of those. <laughs> no, you do. Like, I'm not sure. trying to like be the bad guy, but I'm just saying like, why are we doing it that way? Why can't we? Is there another way? You know, so that's really what I'm in there for. Yeah, well, I think that helps. I mean, you know, accountability is is key in business, and being able to answer the why and maybe get that different perspective yeah. and say, I didn't think about that. So why release a product and then get that feedback yep. a year or two later after you put all that money into design and manufacturing? It's, uh, it's most certainly a growing process. Right. Learning, growing, failing. It sucks. But it's... Uh, what you learn from it. Yeah, it's fun sitting in the meetings, listening to the, listening to the conversations, learning the lingo, uh, convertible notes. What the hell is that? <laughs> Bridge round, seas round, uh, yeah, it's fun. So you guys are taking on investors, I guess, from, yeah. from the lingo you're dropping? Yeah, we are. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. So that's a growing company. So let's talk about that. I mean, what are they actually manufacturing? Uh, so so my coach, Trevor, um, if you don't know, he's been in the game for, I think, 19 years now. He started in boxing and then moved over to, to MMA in, like, the early 2000, 2003, I think. And he's coached you know, some of the highest – Level Monsters. athletes there are, you know. He said, "I think I was the 18th world world champion, uh, including boxing." Oh wow! Uh, Shane Carwin, Rose Namajunas, Rashad Evans. Uh, GSP worked with him, but he, you know, he didn't. He didn't work with him to, to get that belt. So that's not his, or not not his, but you know, he wasn't right. part he of that necessarily. But the other ones, he was, and it started with him trying to create equipment for him. He started making uh, coaches' equipment, okay. pads, mm-hmm. uh, because 
you know, taking shots from Shane Carwin. Oh my God. And, you know, although I'm a small guy, I do hit harder than most 55 pounders. And, it, you know, even when I hold pads for someone, I'm like, how do people do this? Mm-hmm. Like, this hurts. Yeah. And so for him, he's been doing it for, you know, over 20, 20 some years now. So I, you know, his forearms, his hands, his fingers, all those started Take a beating. giving him problems. And so he started to create equipment and he, he's an artist. You know, he can make, he, he does it. He started in his basement with his mom's sewing machine, started making his own equipment. Uh, once that went out, other coaches started seeing it. Other coaches wanted to put orders in. And then before we knew it, we were a year behind uh, in orders, oh, wow. you know, stacked up in a year out. And uh, so, yeah, then he started, you know, coaching athletes through all those years. You get to really understand what is creating the problem and what, you know, what can be a solution. And, you know, ultimately the – so the easiest way to break it down is in fighting, 75% of injuries occur in training and 20, 25% or so occur in fighting. NFL, NHL are the complete opposite. They have 20% in practice and 80% in competition. And the reason being is because in our mind, it's, it has a big part of the, of the uh, equipment. Equipment, there's no, so in NHL, in NFL, there's case studies every year on the equipment and on the vibe, on the viability mm-hmm. of the product. If it's, if it's working, what's not working about it. There's never, ever been one case study in MMA or boxing. You know, if you want to make a boxing glove or a headgear, you make it, you put it on the market, you can sell it. You don't have to go through any kind of standards, any kind of testing, nothing. So, yeah, when you're dealing with high level, and athletes. at the end of the day, like, um, <laughs> MMA fighters are training in boxing gear mm-hmm. or kickboxing gear. There's no MMA gear, you know. Um, so things like uh, our our boxing glove, we have a internal strapping system. It makes an X across the back of your hand. It has two straps on a, a Velcro. So you tighten those. Right, so they And pop. that X, it, well, it takes away the dead space and it adds structure or adds support to the back of your hand. So we call it a wrapless glove. You don't have to use a hand wrap because mm. the hand wrap is essentially built into the glove. Um, our, our shin guards, we have, um, so right now we're going around measuring all the UFC fighters. Right now our our marketing strategy, we're going to put our fight kit on all UFC fighters, the influencers. And so we have a 3D body scanner. We scan their whole body. And then guys, so if you think about it, guys like guys like Tim Means, guys like uh, Ben Rothwell, guys like Deron Wynn, um, that's a, you know, a middleweight, but he's five five foot seven. Or he's really short, so he's got. So him and Tim Means fight the same weight class. One's six foot two, one's five foot eight. Right, but they got the same gear. But they got the same <laughs> gear. So then he orders the large, and he orders the large because right. he's too thin, or he's too thick to wear a medium, but he's way too short to wear a large. And then Tim Means is too thin to wear a, a large, but he's way too long to wear a medium. And so our, you know, we can build custom size. You know, we can we take your shin length, we take your shoe size, and then we we give you. A shin guard. This is the size, the, the length of your shin, the foot. It comes in two separate pieces. So your foot, you're gonna tie your tie it on like a, a shoe, piece and then a shin piece. And so it's gonna come in your shoe size and your uh, your um, shin length. It's gonna have a he- it's gonna have a knee pad attached to it that swivels. So whenever I bend my knee, it's not sliding on and off my knee because that's a lot of what's causing cuts in practice. Is when people throw a kick, I drop down and your knee hits me. You know, mm-hmm. and even if you have a knee pad, it's usually slid down a little bit in those top. Those top bones on top is what's causing the cuts, um, and then our headgear, which I think is our most innovative thing. It's um, if you think about 
Olympic head box or Olympic boxing. They took the headgear out a couple years ago. Now they put it back in. Um, the 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 reason people wear headgears is to prevent cuts. You know, it's not for head protection. It's not protect your brain. It's not protect your head. It's to prevent from cuts. But they're putting something that weighs twenty ounces on their head. Right. Uh, a good example I like to use if you have if you have a kid, you go into the you run out of the park, you get on one of those kind of those um a scooter or one of those uh seats where you sit on that has a spring on the bottom and you go back and it kind of swings you back and forth, a pendulum kind of thing. Gosh. And then I get, you know, you get on it, you're way heavier, you're right. all the way yeah. around. Right. And it's the same as a headgear, you know. What's causing concussions in fighting or head trauma is lineal, on your neck. lineal, yeah. lineal damage. Lineal. It's not the. It's not the impact. It's lineal. If you shake my head, that shakes my brain. So you add twenty ounces to your head. My neck is no longer used to carrying as much weight as you're punching. Puts blind spots in. You know, so the shots you don't see are the ones that knock you out. You'll see that in fighting constantly. Right. Um, so we designed a headgear that's. It's a quarter of an inch thick on the side and an eighth of an inch on the front. Um, it has a really dense, um, specific foam that I cannot tell you. <laughs> proprietary? <laughs> yeah, proprietary <laughs> foam inside that will absolutely um, absorb all of the the energy and the impact. Um, so it's super thin. Uh, it's very applicable for MMA. Um, you know, you can it's like a it's like a wrestling headgear. Essentially, you can grapple with it. So you can spar on small small glove days and still grapple with it and not get stuck in positions you would mm-hmm. with a big old headgear. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of things that we're doing. Very cool. And then he makes uh, coaching equipment. He makes these chest pads. He makes them all with this freaking his sewing machine right there in the office. It's crazy. Still? Man-made? Yeah. yeah, so we prototype everything. He prototypes it. I test it. Once uh, Once me and him are okay with it, then we manufacture it. Very cool. Yeah. Anything else going on with you? Or is that that's, about it? That's where I'm at every day. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you yeah. back in the ring, man. I mean, it's that I'm uh, looking forward to. It's always a show. Me and my son watch. Uh, my son does a little Muay Thai. I don't think he's going to become a UFC fighter, but Good you know him. what? It's uh, put him in the books. Yeah, yeah. Put, we'll him, put in him in the books. Maybe. Then, <laughs> a, he just need to defend himself. Yeah, that's and it. Be uh, super you know what? Keep staying active too. Sure. Yeah, healthy. Yeah, yeah, healthy lifestyle. That I mean that that's going to help him be a successful business person or whatever he chooses absolutely appreciate you coming on the show today yes sir thank you for everybody listening to the uh, Finding Success show and uh, we'll see you soon thank you for tuning in to the Finding Success show for more exclusive content and previous episodes check out successradioshow.com that's www.successradioshow.com 